What's up? What's going on? And welcome in and welcome back. This is the Empire State of Mind podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zachary Grady. We are brought to you by MetamorizedOnline.com and USA Today Sports. Make sure to go out, like, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Empire State of Mind Pod on Instagram at Empire State Pod on Twitter. We are happy to have Charlie Volker from 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio in Albany, New York joining us today for the back half of A Home and Home. If you listen to our debut episode, the very first Empire State of Mind pod, I was lucky enough to join him on Sunday Sports Buzz on 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio. So returning the favor and having him here for the back half of A Home and Home, he joins us to discuss all things Metropolitan, the return of the rotation, when Cookie's coming back, are we going to see Thor this year? Is there a move to be made? We talk about the 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, keep counting, guys on the injured list, and yet somehow the Mets sit in first place at time of recording four games up on the Phillies, five and a half on the Braves. But we're going to get right into it. Make sure you like, rate, and review. Go check out Charlie Volker on Twitter. You can download the 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio app for free. And of course, follow us on MetsmerizeOnline.com and USA Today Sports. So without any further ado, right now, coming at you on the Empire State of Mind podcast, Charlie Volker, 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio. want to welcome back to the podcast and I say welcome back because anyone who got a chance to listen to our debut episode I was actually a guest of Charlie Volker's on 104.5 the team ESPN radio and now Charlie doing a little home and home joining us here on the ESPN radio so 104.5 the team ESPN radio and now host from three to seven of the drive Charlie Volker Charlie how are you sir I'm good, Zach. We miss you up here. How you doing? All right. Oh, I don't miss the cold weather, but I miss no. all you guys at 104.5 as well. So, you know, like I said, before the mic came on, Bart and Han, they got enough money. They don't need anything. Yeah. Maybe let's clear that one to three out for me and uh, we'll figure something out. We need Zach in the middays. How is the new gig? How's, uh, you know, moves? It's Charlie. It's cool. On Sundays, now doing Mondays through Friday, three to seven. How do you, how's the new setup? How's the show? It, it's great. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm on with Dan Ball. We do a uh, show from three to seven here on 104.5. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, it's a lot of work. Obviously, four hours uh, live every day is, is challenging, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I love it. Um, it's really cool way for me to parlay all of my relationships, uh, over the years in college athletics and pro sports and stuff. So it's been fun, been able to call a lot of old friends and, and get them on the show. And soon enough, Zach, you're going to be coming on here and giving us a little Mets rundown. Well, you know, I mean, it's certainly the perfect time to do it in that area. I mean, you got Knicks and Nets both making the playoffs, Yankees and, uh, Mets both over 500 all the way in June. Jets had the second pick in the draft. Giants looking to rebuild. So the Capital District, the whole state of New York, sports-wise, is looking up for sure. Oh, it's blowing up. I mean, you throw the bills in there, and the whole state of New York really is. Uh, but I'm, 
you know, I'm a Met fan. I grew up 20 minutes from Shea Stadium, been to City Field. I, I don't know how many times. I was at the first game at City Field. Uh, I am blue and orange all the way through. I, I throw the blue and orange with the Islanders too, but with the Mets, they're my first love. Well, everyone who has gotten a chance to listen to me on 104.5 knows how I feel about the Buffalo Bills. So I think I'll save that for a different podcast. <laughs> we're talking blue and orange, of course. We're talking with Charlie Boker here of 104.5. So, Charlie, who the hell is this team that's out there? Because it's not who we thought it would be with 16 guys on the DIL already halfway through the season. I'll tell you, uh, Zach, I'm so impressed with the job that the Mets did in fortifying their bench, what a huge difference between the ownerships of what you know, the, the Wilpon ownership did in putting on the bench and really not spending an awful lot of money uh, on those guys that were at the end of the bench. And then you look at Jonathan Villar, Kevin Pillar, uh, just right down, I mean, McKinney, I, all these guys that have come and the Mets haven't said, oh, well, we'd rather put a triple A guy that's not going to make as much money that's going to be the league minimum. They've put veterans in those positions and it's enabled them to weather the storm. I thought it was brilliant. I, you're, uh, you're spot on. And I look at the way the money's been invested. You talk about how the Wilpons didn't spend money on the bench. Unfortunately, the times that they did, it would be on a guy like Jed Lowry. You look at the money right. that was given to Jed Lowry in comparison to the money that was given to Tawan Walker. And where would the Mets be right now without Tawan Walker? So, I mean, the investments have just been much, much better. You know, Walker sort of shocked me because when they signed him, I wasn't even thinking about him. I, I, I think Jake Odorizzi was a guy that everybody had on their mind. There were a couple other guys out there. And then it comes across the wire that, you know, Taiwan Walker signs the match. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I didn't even know what to make of it uh, with him. And then he comes up and just when I first saw him in spring training and he was just blowing guys away, I'm like, wow, did we catch lightning in a bottle? How long is this going to last? He's been outstanding. We were talking about it on Big Board Sports, Roger Weil and 104.5, the team, ESPN Radio and Albany, when the Walker signing happened. It was a sixth guy, maybe even a seventh guy at that point in time. They had just signed Lucchese. They were still negotiating with Trevor Bauer. Cookie Carrasco wasn't hurt at that point. Thor was thought to come back in June. So, yeah, at that time, I'm thinking, why are we giving $20 million to a, a six or seven guy? And he's been the, well, the three starter because Stroman and DeGrom have just been absolutely electric all season. I honestly have to throw him in there. I mean, he's almost as electric as those guys. I mean, Marcus Stroman, he means everybody loves Jake. So it's easy to get that enthusiasm around Jake. Marcus Stroman is such a, a, a competitor and you watch him on the field and he's really cool to watch. And he does a really good job of getting everyone excited. And he's been pitching lights out this year, but Taiwan Walker has been right there every single game doing just about the same thing that Stroman has what a one two three punch the Mets have had with those three guys absolutely and you want to talk about lights out if David Peterson can go six innings no <laughs> runs and look like the David Peterson that we thought we were going to have from last year that's it's a different rotation but as we talk about the rotation is there any hope for us actually seeing Carlos Carrasco this year, or is he going to be the next Jed Lowry? 
You know, um, I don't have a lot of faith that he'll come back before August. Um, and if the Mets get Cookie Carrasco back in August and can either put him in the pen or in the back end of the rotation or work him in, I mean, that's like a late season trade for them. The, the guy that they wanted out of that trade is Lindor. He's been there since, since game one. Yeah, Carrasco was a great one. Everybody said, wow, he makes this trade unbelievable. If he can do that, if he, if he can come back in August and be there for the stretch run, a fresh arm for the stretch run, where maybe you could go and you could go six starters sometime, doing those kinds of things, man, the Mets are going to be tough when it comes down in September. So you talk about trades a little bit. Is something that the Mets necessarily hadn't really been discussed in the trade rumors because, again, there were so many guys coming back. Why, why go get a corner outfielder when you have Conforto coming back? Why get an infielder when you have um, McNeil coming back? Why go get a pitcher when you have Thor and Carrasco coming back? Well, Thor's probably not coming back, and Carrasco's still the question mark. Is there a guy out there that the Mets can identify to maybe actually go and make a move for? You know, I'd be very hesitant to go out there and, and make a move for a pitcher right now because, you know, they, I think the, a, the price is, is astronomical because so many guys are looking for starting pitching right now. So you're going to pay a really hefty price. And the Mets right now seem like they're in more of a mode of we'll pay somebody but we don't want to give up any of our inventory, meaning they're minor leaguers. And I think because of the way that the Mets in, in the last couple of years depleted their minor league system, that is a smart move for them to begin to build as they have this past off season, that triple A and double A level, because they don't have a lot of backups and they need to put their investments into keeping these guys that they have instead of trading them away. And then also when they can fortifying those those places if they have somebody they can trade away you know when all the outfielders come back maybe somebody offers you something for kevin pilar that you can't resist now i like kevin pilar i'd like to see him be the fourth outfielder i'm just using him as an example if somebody turns around and says hey you know what we'll give you this stud starting pitcher we need kevin pilar hmm, i'd have to think about it if i had my full complement of outfielders i think I think Kevin Pillar might be a name that doesn't get thrown around only because of his clout in the locker room after taking oh, yeah. four off the face. Um, sure. Kind of stepped up as a leader, but I, I absolutely agree with you. When you when you have Nimmo and you have Smith and you have Conforto, Conforto. Back every day, that's where you're going to want to be. That's where your lineup's going to want to be. But Well, I mean, even Billy McKinney. I mean, you look at McKinney, the way he's played. I mean – somebody's going to have to go. All these guys are playing right now. Somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to be available. Maybe you get some, you know, you keep fortifying the minor league system with these guys. If somebody offers it to you. Well, a name that was supposed to be available and that was linked to the Mets through much of the off season, Chris Bryant with the Cubs in first place, he's not going anywhere. The Cubs are no. not going to be sellers. So is there a possibility that the Mets make a move at third? I don't know because of the way um, Jonathan Villar has played and the way that Guillaume has played. I mean, Louis Guillaume has played unbelievable at second base. McNeil's going to come back. Now you'll have Villar uh, and Guillaume at third base. I honestly don't care if J.D. Davis ever comes back with those two the way that they play. 
I love defense and the Mets are right now better at third base with those two guys than they'll ever be with JD Davis. Is there a long-term future for JD Davis with the Mets then, or is his no, not to me. I would say, I would say he's 10 years over. Um, you're, you're, you're going to look to put him somewhere else, get something for him because he doesn't have a spot with the Mets. He can't play left field. He can't play third base. The guy can hit. He needs to be in the American league. And you know, if they turn around the Mets say, Hey, we're going to hold on to him because we may have the DH next year. Then you say, Hey, GD, we're going to have to wait until next year because you can't play there. And he can't, he, he's not a good third baseman. And even to that point next year, if then the NL does have the DH, you're likely going to have Dom there and maybe go out and make a move for a defensive outfielder, maybe a Jackie Bradley Jr. who was rumored this year, but because of the no DH and end up happening. No, I, I, I agree. And then the Mets need to really try to address that center field spot. But, you know, maybe a guy like Kevin Pilar, as you mentioned, if they do decide to hold on to him, is that answer. Um, and they, they can put Nimmo out and left and they can put Comforto and right and Pilar can play center. I mean, the one thing that he gives you is a real center fielder, the way he plays the field. So it's been nice to see a real center fielder out there. I love Brandon Nimmo. Great guy. Bad center fielder. And I mean, maybe it's just me and maybe I'm making a little bit too much of it, but Pilar at this point, he's got that Wilmer Flores, Chris yes. Woodward feel to him. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that he may not be in your lineup every day, but he's a leader no matter what on the field. Yeah. And you take a, you know, you, uh, you take a hit by pitch off the nose, bleed profusely all over the field. And then you're back like a week later in the lineup with all bruises and stuff. I mean, he walked in the, enough is, the next day and asked if he was in the lineup. Right. I love it. I love it. And not enough is made these days about players like that and what chemistry they bring to these teams. You look at look at the Rays. The Rays don't win if they don't have great chemistry. And where do they go? They went all the way to the World Series. The Mets finally seem like they have some type of chemistry with this group. And I think, you know, I, I was not a huge, I like Louis Rojas. I was not a huge Louis Rojas fan. I think he's done an amazing job with all these injuries, keeping everybody happy and moving this team in the right direction. Um, lights out job by Louis Rojas. I don't think that there's a Mets fan who can sit here and say with ultimate honesty that if I told them on June 15th, the Mets would have half of their opening day roster on the injured list and still have a four game lead be eight up over 500. No one's believing that. I mean, I was ready to be done with the season after opening day, the way that that game went. So to be eight up with everything that's happened, but I mean, personally though, and we're sitting here talking with Charlie Volker of one Oh four five, the team ESPN radio, there, there's a team in the NL East, though, Charlie, that still scares you, right? There's still yeah. someone out there that you know is going to turn it on at some point. Yeah, I think it's the Braves. Uh, I think the Braves are a matter of time before they, you know, start winning some games. Their, their lineup is so talented. They've faced the injury bug like the Mets have. The fact of the matter is the Mets have handled the injury bug much better than the Braves had. So that's been a big advantage. But with you look at the, their lineup and you look at their pitching staff, I'd be shocked if they don't make a move. Phillies are good. Nationals are good. I think that they're both pretty even there. But I find out of the three teams, right, the Braves are the team that scare me the most um, about catching the Mets. Yeah, 
every time I see them win maybe two games in a row, I think this is going <laughs> to be the the catalyst. And then they drop two or three, and I'm just yeah, they they shock me. You know, they're me five too. and five in the last ten, seven, you know, five hundred overall at home. But that's a dangerous team, and I feel like the match. Oh. They're just, you know, they're almost right surviving and keeping water out of the ship. But to be four and a half up on the Phillies, five and a half up. I mean, that's all that a Mets can fan could ask for right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is all they can ask for at this point. And they just need to, you know, if they can just keep doing what they're doing, keep their guys out there. I mean, their, their pitching has been great. The, the bullpen has been great. Um, if they can just steady the ship until they get McNeil and Nimmo uh, back, I think that they are going to be absolutely fine. I mean, it looks like Lindor is finally starting to hit. Pete's hitting very, very well. Um Dom had a big home run last night. That was a huge home run last night to dead center. And a good thing for him because he'd been struggling in left field. He'd been struggling at the plate, hit a nice dinger. And I think that that's going to turn him right around. Any concerns at all, as we mentioned, Pete Alonzo, the amount of concentration or the amount of determination that he has set forth to repeat as NL home run champion for, you know, every time we see, or sorry, not NL home run champion, MLB home run derby champion. We see that in the second half, it usually affects the champion where they fall off a little bit. Any concern that he's putting so much concentration on defending his title this year in Colorado? Nah, I think he just, Pete likes to play. He's, he just likes to, you know, he loves the social media. He loves the attention. He loves, you know, interacting with the fans. And I think he knows how important that is to the fans. So I think that it's more, he's more, if you said, Hey Pete, you never get to play in another home run derby again, but you're going to win a world championship. He'd be all in. Um, I think when he'll go and he'll be in the home run derby and we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's going to affect him in the second half. All right. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. Before we get you awesome, out of here, you got a heart out. It wouldn't be a conversation if we don't talk about Jake. Just how <laughs> incredible is this man been this season? 0.62 ERA, the lowest since 1913. 0.57 whip, the lowest since 1901, both when they started actually tracking these things. So just this, is he the best ever in a blue and orange uniform? Well, you know, I saw Seaver when I was a kid. And so I don't really, you know, I, I don't think I could appreciate how good Tom Seaver was. But I did see Dwight Gooden in my 20s. And I did know how good Dwight Gooden was. And I knew how dominant he was, especially in the 1985 season. I had never seen anything like that until now. And to me, Jake DeGrom is the best player in Major League Baseball, hands down, bar none. I don't care what anybody says. And I, you know, the whole thing with the Jake's cheating. Sticky tack no, or no? Sticky tack or no? No way. No way. No way. You're throwing 102. They're not catching up with 102. I, you know what? I agree with Pete. If someone's in there throwing a 102 mile an hour slider, let him get a little bit more grip. Uh, I don't want that going <laughs> in my head. You got it. I'm with you all the way. Thank you again to Charlie for joining us. Make sure you check him out every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 p.m. on 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio. As always, make sure you follow us 
at Empire State of Mind Pod on Instagram, at Empire State Pod on Twitter. Go out and follow me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Uzig. I'm Zag. Check out the weekly Twitter poll, which we have back in action for you. This week, we are asking you, who has been the biggest surprise this year for the New York Mets through 60 games? Vote on Twitter, at Empire State Pod. And as always, want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to Metsmerized Online and USA Today Sports for being a part of the podcast. Check us out. We'll see you next week. And until then, as always, keep living life with an Empire State of Mind.